Amen. Today we will get to participate in both sacraments, in the Lord's table and baptism. So it's a, it's a fun and exciting morning uh, today as we come and worship. You know, this theme of atonement is a theme we find in the Bible. And, and we as a, a people of God are, are called to study the Bible. The founder of the Methodist Church was a man named John Wesley. And, and Wesley was said to be a man of one book. A man of one book, the Bible. And, and, and he talks about the importance of the Bible. And if, in fact, I'm going to read a, a quote of Wesley's. It's, it's fairly lengthy, but I, but I quote. This is what Wesley said. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. I want to know how to land safely on that happy shore. God himself has descended to teach the way. It is for this very purpose that Christ came from heaven. He has written that way in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it, and it contains knowledge enough for me. Let me be homo unius libri, a man of one book. Here I am, far from the busy ways of life. I sit down alone, and only God is with me. In his presence, I open and read his book for the purpose of finding the way to heaven. Is there any doubt about the meaning of what I read? Does anything appear mysterious or complicated? If so, I lift up my heart to the Father of lights. Lord, does your word not say, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God? Does your word not say, God gives to all generously and ungrudgingly? You have said, anyone who resolves to do the will of God will know it. I am willing to do your will, and I pray that you will reveal it to me. So I search and ponder uh, parallel passages of Scripture, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. I meditate on them with all the attention and seriousness of which my mind is capable. If any doubt still remains, I consult others who are experienced in the things of God. Next, I look to the writings of those who, although they are dead, yet still they speak. And what I learn in this way, I teach. I love that quote. I love that quote from Wesley that talks about the importance of Scripture and learning it and, and, and reading it and teaching it. For Wesley, the Bible was of supreme importance. As he says, he wanted to be a man of one book. Now, does that mean that he didn't read anything else? No. Wesley wrote, read almost anything, uh, everything from medicine uh, uh, to theology and, and onward. He read a lot, but he, the whole purpose is that the Bible is supreme. It is the most important, and it was the most important for him because it shows us the way to heaven. It shows us God's character, his nature. And this is what we Methodists say about the Bible. In fact, we have in our articles of religion and in our confession of faith two different statements about the Bible. How many of you knew we actually had an articles of religion or a confession of faith? Yeah, we do. But here, here's what uh, Article 5 of our uh, articles of faith says. It says this, Of the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for salvation... The Holy Scripture containeth all things, don't you love that? Containeth. Containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith, or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. In the name of the Holy Scriptures, we do understand those canonical books of the Old and New Testament of whose authority was never any doubt in the church. 
Basically what it's saying is that the Bible contains everything we need to know about salvation. And we believe the Bible is the Old and New Testament, the 66 books that are here and that the church uh, has agreed on. And then Article 4 from our Confession of Faith on the Holy Bible, it says a very similar thing. It says this. It says, we believe the Holy Bible, Old and New Testaments, reveals the Word of God so far as it is necessary for our salvation. It is to be received through the Holy Spirit as the true rule and guide for faith and practice. Whatever is not revealed in or established by the Holy Scriptures is not to be made an article of faith, nor is it to be taught as essential to salvation. That's what we believe about the Bible. As Methodists, we have a high regard for Scripture, for God's Word. It contains everything necessary for salvation. It is to be the true rule and guide for our faith and our practice. And as such, we too should be a people of one book. That's who we should be. A people who hunger and thirst to know God's will, his character, his hope of salvation. That's why we study the Bible. But as I said last week, studying the Bible takes work. Sometimes it's not easy at all. Those of you who are on the Bible reading plan, what are we reading? Leviticus. Yeah, that takes work, doesn't it? Trudging through Leviticus. But it's worth the effort because... The Bible contains this hope of our future, the hope of our salvation. And here's the thing, how we approach Scripture, uh, the Bible is important because too often we approach it wrongly. We approach it like an instruction manual. And it's true that the Bible contains instructions. What is Leviticus? Instructions. It's a lot of instructions. But, it, but it's more than that. It's so much more than that. See, if we approach it with that mentality that it's an instruction manual, then our excitement about reading it is often waning, isn't it? How many of you like reading instruction manuals? Are there any random people out there? Yeah, see, we, there are those. You can pray for them. Yeah, some, there, there's always a few that like reading instruction manuals, but for the majority of us, we don't want to read an instruction manual. It's, it's boring. You know, and how many of you have read your car manual? Yeah, where is it? It's in the glove box of the car, right? When do we get that thing out? The only time we get that thing out is when there's one of those lights that comes up on our dashboard and we have no idea what that light means. Then we start hunting in the glove box like, what is that? And, and we try to figure it out. Or if we're trying to replace a headlamp and it's giving us instructions on how to replace a, a headlamp and then it goes right back into the glove box, never to be looked at again until another light comes on. See, too often that's how we, how we treat the Bible, we only refer to it when there's a light that comes on in our life. There's a setback or there's a struggle or something. There's a, uh-oh, there's a hiccup in our life. And we're like, oh, maybe I better go check this out and see if I can find an answer to this question. And then we get it fixed and then we just put it back on the shelf and don't look at it again. See, but the, the Bible is, is much more than that. See, I see the Bible as a grand story, not an instruction manual. It's the story of God. It's the story of his creation. It's the story of humanity. It's the story of our brokenness. It's God's story of rescue for us. It's the biography of God and humanity, and in it is great drama. We should approach the Bible with a, a sense of awe and excitement 
with a sense of wonder for how God has redeemed us, how he has saved us, how he has atoned for our sins, how he has rescued us. What a story. But even, even better than that, it's a true story. So how should we, as good, faithful, Methodist Christians, study the Bible? Well, first off, I wish we were known like those early Methodists in studying the Bible. Because the early Methodists, they were often made fun of. They were called Bible bigots and Bible moths because they were drawn to the Bible like a moth to a flame. And, and they studied the Bible constantly because the Bible was their foundation and their guide. That's, that's what I want. In fact, Wesley, John Wesley, he often got in trouble because he preached the Bible uh, and his emphasis on it. The church sometimes didn't even know what to do with him. They couldn't handle him. Why? Because he spoke the plain truth of Scripture. In fact, there's a great story about uh, Wesley had a, preached a sermon entitled Scriptural Christianity. Uh, and he preached it at Oxford University where he taught. He taught there. And he preached this sermon in 1744. It was the last time he was invited to preach there. <laughs> if you can imagine. Why? Because he dared ask the question, this is the question. Where is scriptural Christianity being lived out? Where is it being lived? See, what he did is he, he preached the word and then he said, you. I don't see it being lived out in you. And he, and he called out the university staff, these Oxford professors, and he said, I don't see it being lived out in your life. And he called out the students and he said, I don't see it being lived out in your life. And he called out uh, the Anglican priests that were sitting there. And I said, I, I don't see it being lived out in your life. There's not evidence. In effect, he says, if you aren't living this word, then are you really a Christian? See, I want us to be known again as a, a people of the book. That we know its themes, its contours, its stories, its purpose. See, making the Bible a part of our life is, is critical for our journey of salvation to guide us in our journey to heaven. More than that, to guide us on this journey here on earth. It is formative for us as Methodist Christians, for our journey to holiness of heart and soul and mind. It should form us more than anything else in our culture. Too often, though, we let the culture form us more than this. And we try to make this conform to our culture or our beliefs instead of vice versa. But it is our foundation. It is our story. It is our life. And we should approach it as such. This is our story, our life. Jesus said we don't live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. So last week I shared briefly about how to study God's word uh, inductively. And we talked about inductive Bible study. If you were here last week, we talked about that, how to do that. Uh, but today I'm going to give you four different kind of tips or ideas on other ways to study the Bible. Uh, these things for you to consider. And these thoughts come from a great little book called uh, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. And I would commend it to you. It goes through all the different spiritual disciplines. And one of them is, is actually reading scripture. And there's different ways you can approach reading scripture. And the first way they, they mention is the artist method. And this might really appeal to some of you who are more creative or artistic. Uh, 
this might be for you. And here's what you do when you're kind of approaching it from an artist method is you, you ask, you read a passage of scripture and then you ask yourself three questions. The first one is this, what speaks to my heart? And then as, as you're reading it and you say what speaks to your heart, then you, you might draw a heart beside that word or phrase that is speaking to your heart. You could have colored pencils even and, and color it in if you want to, if that's kind of, you're more creative in that. Uh, the second question you would ask is, what new thought or idea comes to me? And then you could draw a light bulb beside that thought or idea that, and, and, and write beside it what that means, that whatever that new thought is for you. And then the third question you'd ask is, what does the scripture move me to do? That's that application piece. Maybe draw a hand beside it. That, that's moving you to do something. That, that what action should you be taking as a result of reading this word? That's one method, the artist's method. What, what moves your heart? What new thought or idea? And what is it calling me to do? The second is the detective method. And this is just like the inductive Bible method but uh, it uses just different language. And, and maybe detective might appeal to you more than inductive Bible study. But what does a detective do? He's looking for evidence, for clues, asking questions, the, the who, what, when, why, and where. So as you're approaching a scripture, you're going to be asking these questions. You're going to be observing first. Remember, we talked about observing what the text says and then getting all the facts and then interpreting it. And then from those interpretations, asking yourself, how does it apply to my life? And asking, how will this change my life? What do I take away from the story? You're, you're placing yourself in the story and the different characters that you're reading about and, and looking at it from different angles. And so how can that help you? You know, again, some of you reading Leviticus, and you're thinking, you know, if you're approaching it as an instruction manual, what are we doing? We're going, oh my gosh, this is so boring. And I can't believe all the blood. There is so much blood in Leviticus, isn't there? How many of you are reading and you're thinking, I can't imagine all the blood? Right? Put yourself in the story. Put yourself in it. You're, why? Why would God require all this blood? It's gruesome, isn't it? Isn't it? It is gruesome. Think about it. What was the purpose? Atonement for my sin. Just put yourself there in the, in the tabernacle. You see all of these animals being slaughtered and the blood being spilt. It's because of my sin. My sin is gruesome. My sin causes death. My sin is causing destruction. You know, I, I thought my sin was, okay, maybe one lamb, but no. My sin is destroying the whole world. You place yourself in the story and you begin to realize, wow, what an incredible thing this is that God has saved me. Because I've called us all kinds of destruction. And the fact that he has saved me and he's atoned for me. So you, you place yourself and you ask the question, why? A third method, method the treasure seeker method. I, I, I like this image of, of seeking for treasure because I, I, I want to be seeking and finding something new. When you read scriptures, consider these questions. They're kind of application questions as if you're a treasure seeker. The first one. Is there an example here for me to follow? Is there something here that I, I should follow? The second question, is there a promise to claim or a command to obey? Maybe that's how you're approaching. Or third, is there a truth to be applied to my life? Fourth, is there a prayer for me to pray? Fifth, 
Is there a sin to be confessed? Sixth, is there a question God is asking me? See, I'm seeking out, what is it, what is it saying? How is it being applied to my life? The treasure seeker method. Fourth, the Jesus apprentice method. And this is, I, I like this, especially for those of you who might be new Christians who haven't really read the Bible much. But uh, the Jesus apprentice method, I would encourage you to start with one of the Gospels. We have four Gospels, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And a Gospel is just uh, the story of Jesus. And so in the Jesus apprentice method, you would take one of those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and start reading it. And as you're reading it, you're trying to study and find out all you can about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did he say and do? What is he asking me to do? And you'd ask yourself these questions as you're going along. What seems to be important to Jesus as I'm reading this story? What sort of questions does he ask of people? What questions is Jesus asking people? And then what questions are people asking Jesus? And what is Jesus inviting me to be and to do? Again, my goal is that you learn to love, to read God's word. That you would hold it deep in your heart. That you would get to the point as you're reading it that even if you're in Leviticus, you're excited. Because God can even speak in Leviticus. That, that's our hope, is that, that we take this grand story of God, which is our story, and we would hold it deep within. And that we would be like Wesley, who'd say, I can take this story and then I can teach it to others. I can offer them hope and salvation as well. Let us pray.